Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Welcome back to the 10 Adventures podcast. I've been off for a few episodes and Karen's been taking the help and Today, I'm hosting as Karen prepares for her next big bike tour in Italy. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to Chris Bone today. Chris is the founder of Adventure Solos, an adventure company specifically targeting solo travelers. Uh, I'm interested in this concept as we come out of a pandemic where lots of people have been uh, stuck in their home, you know, dreaming of great places to go. But, you know, maybe maybe their friends, their family don't want to go on a exciting trip like they do and and personally earlier in my uh, adventuring life I ended up doing a lot of solo trips myself as uh, my friends at the time you know they just weren't interested in big trips in developing countries so I'm eager to hear more about adventure solos hi Chris welcome to the podcast hi Richard good to chat to you yeah thank you for having me on uh so let's let's jump right in first off what is adventure solos yeah so adventure solos are solo friendly adventures these are events that we're running here in the UK and the aim is to make it as easy as possible for people to book onto an event by themselves. Um, they're fun, sociable group adventures and anyone's welcome. Um, all we ask is that people join with kind of a warm, friendly, welcoming attitude, ready to share an adventure. Um, so that's what we do. Yeah, people are booking on by themselves. We do various things to try and make it easy for people. So we kind of get WhatsApp groups up and running before an event so that people can do intros and say hello and do lift shares and that kind of thing. We send out quite a comprehensive pre-adventure guide. So if you're going canoeing for the first time or hiking or camping, whatever, for the first time, there's kit lists and kind of what to expect and all that kind of thing just to help sort of make people comfortable. There's a host at each event as well. So someone from Adventure Breaks, it's usually myself, but sometimes there's other people instead. And they're there throughout the event just to help kind of facilitate that social element and the social side. And we also do things like we reference the public transport, so maybe train stations nearby or anything like that. And if people are dependent on public transport, then we can give them a lift from the train station to the start of the adventure. And so, Chris, what what is a like a standard or like what's a popular trip you guys do and, and what are the details of that trip? Yeah, so we've got one, probably one of our most uh, popular ones or, or one that people book onto first is called Wild Camping for Beginners. We're also bringing in, it's sort of just launching really, uh, one which is almost a step before that, which is Hiking for Beginners. And so really, as the name suggests, it gives people an intro to just starting to get out and about and starting to do walks or hikes or wild camping. The wild camping one is kind of a long weekend, really. Um, they're kind of groups of five or six people. And we just meet, we meet at a pub and have lunch and then we head off into the hills. But we provide kind of camping equipment so that people don't have to research all the gear that they need. They get to take that camping equipment away with them at the end. But we show them how to use it over a couple of different nights camp. And there's kind of nice social bits in there as well. We can go for a swim and we kind of go up a hill and watch the sunset and all this kind of stuff. So it's just helping people, making it easier to get out and about. So yeah, that's a couple of our typical ones. 
Um, and quite often then people will come back for future adventures. So we're now, we've been up and running for a few years, uh, sort of two or three years. The people are at the stage now where they're coming on third, fourth and fifth adventures with us. Quite often people go on to one called Canoe Scotland, which is a five day canoeing trip. So again, you don't need any experience to do that, but you can basically bring along your camping gear from the wild camping event um, and really put it to use. So yeah, there's a bit of variety, but a lot of hiking, some canoeing and uh, a bit of camping as well. And so the type of people that join these beginner trips, are these people that have always wanted to live kind of a more adventurous life and they just haven't known how to take the start and finally they're like, I'm just going to do it? Or is this, are these people that have just kind of like at a certain point in their life realized it's just hit them. Hey, I want to, I want to try this. I'm interested. Is this like a lifelong goal or just something that just hits them to go and give it a go? I think a bit of a mix really. In general, people are slightly older. So, you know, 35 to to sort of 59 something like that 30s 40s and 50s is you know probably the majority of our audience but people of any age are welcome to come along and people are at different stages i just think there's kind of all these macro factors i feel out there for why people are living different lives and different lifestyles and why they might want to come on an adventure but some have got kids that might have grown up um and and their kids have got to an age where they're independent so they find themselves with a bit more time or money maybe their friendship groups uh, have got kids and so they find themselves sort of wanting to do different things from their friendship groups yeah there's a variety of reasons why people want to come along but really it's just about trying to create that nice sort of happy social dynamic and uh, just encourage people to do it it's funny um on the podcast we've talked to lots of people who have done kind of these incredible journeys and so many people have done them solo and you know early on i i would ask and i've done lots of big trips solo as well in my case i just could never find anyone who wanted to do them and i asked you know these other uh kind of just regular people and they you know they always said it was just so hard to find someone else who wanted to do the trips that they liked and you know this is you know skiing across you know the length of sweden or doing you know these massive trips but it's true you know a lot of people they just struggle you know their group of friends are into you know different activities and they struggle just taking that first step and that's why i think it's really exciting about what you're doing is it's helping people take that that first step but in terms of the type of people that are that are joining you mentioned they're kind of 30s to 50s. So this isn't like a big party weekend where you're in the pub every night. This sounds like it's much more about, you know, getting outdoors, meeting people of similar interests. Is that kind of the goal? Like, is that what people come for? Are people coming, you know, looking for going down to the pub or, or meeting their next spouse? I think it's just generally getting out and meeting people. So I think, as you well, you mentioned having people to go with is such a huge part of an adventure, or it is for me. And I have done my own solo stuff, um, but I generally prefer to do it with other people. You know, even I've done a big motorbike trip through Africa for, for six months, um, sort of going back maybe 12 or 15 years. But even sort of six years ago, one of the guys I met whilst I was doing that, we started to sort of come up with this loose plan or loose agreement to to do a motorbike trip through South America. And it just started to grow arms and legs. You could feel the momentum sort of building. We were starting to, to chat about it. And then he bought the same motorbike as I'd bought and he started sort of uh, specking it up the same as I'd got so I'm kind of thinking trip on here he knew I was having a bit of time off work 
and then uh, they decided him and his girlfriend decided to have a ch- child instead and the next thing sort of motorbike was sold and and that was all out the window and it was great like I still went off and had my own adventures I didn't motorbike South America I did a variety of different smaller trips instead but yeah having someone to go with is a huge part of it um so yeah people join for a variety of reasons but yeah the the kind of social part people come along and and we quite often start in a pub or something like that and have a meal together before before we start it i want to hear about this six month motorcycling trip in africa uh tell me more about that because that sounds really cool yeah yeah so i've been lucky enough to do a lot of adventures and I, i know you you're aware that my background was finance and kind of the reason I got into this kind of stuff is because adventures is just something I've always enjoyed doing. So yeah, I have done some big trips, some long distance hiking trails and things like that. But yeah, about, it was from 2007 to 2008, I headed off, um, kind of, I'd done a graduate scheme, um, which was a two year sort of work program and just got to the end of it where, you know, I, I, I kind of thought, now is the time I'm about to get settled down into my career. So if I want to go off and have a big adventure, this is kind of the best sort of time you'll ever get to do that. So I think these things are never without risk as in people could easily be like, you're about to walk into a job. Why have you then headed off? But, um, you know, life's too short not to do these things as well. So I had the opportunity. So yeah, um, it was 25 countries down through Europe, which took um, two weeks. And then I got the ferry over from the south of Spain to the north of Morocco and then headed down the, the west coast of Africa. So, Oh, wow. I've never been to the west coast of Africa. What's that like for a... Because um, even I know most people do the cycling, they'll cycle down through East Africa. What's West Africa like as a uh, you know, adventure destination? It was great. And yeah, I understand the logic of going to the east coast because it's shorter because we went I say we, I set off by myself. I'd planned it with a friend and he kind of pulled out fairly last minute. So the context was I I was riding by myself and I got to an an embassy in Mauritania, I think, the Mali embassy in Mauritania. And there was two British motorbikes outside, which were two guys. I didn't particularly know them, but I had met them once before in the UK at this sort of motorbike uh, event. So they were going the same direction. They had quite different motorbikes and would sort of gone about it with slightly different strategies they had um hard luggage i had soft luggage so sort of uh, i had you know essentially rucksacks hanging off my the side of my bike they had more metal gear for storing all their kit in uh, they had heavier motorbikes but other than that we we're basically doing the same sort of trip at the same sort of time and they, they were a similar age they were five or six years older than me um so yeah they're really good friends now when we traveled the middle half together really and then kind of I went off and did my own thing once we got through some of the sort of slightly riskier countries. Um, so yeah, it was really interesting, but I mean, heading down, you go, you go, you're heading South for, for maybe five or six weeks. Then you take a left for six weeks and then you take a right for a couple of months. So yeah. So yeah. So if you're thinking of doing a trip, doing a motorcycle trip or even a cycling trip of West Africa, there's the directions head South for six weeks, go left for six weeks and then, then hang hang a right and and you're done. So uh, boy, there's there's a free guidebook for anyone who's listening. I'm interested. You mentioned the move from finance to adventure. You know, similar to you, I had out of university. I was in a uh, we call them internships here. I had an internship when I graduated. I was offered a job, and I you know decided to go traveling instead, which uh, took me over to the UK, and I worked. And then uh, later in my career, uh, I was leading a consulting company, and just realized you know. Uh, it, it wasn't super interesting and kind of by chance, you know, I did this 10 adventures thing just as a fun project, just, you know, something I was interested in just to try my hand in tech again. And, and it took off. 
I'm interested for you, you know, why not continue with your finance career, which, you know, it's a great industry to be in. It's lucrative. It's, it's, you know, lots of people want to be in there. Why was it not the right job for you? And it's really interesting to hear. And I knew sort of you dabbled in the 10 adventures and it had taken off and that's absolutely the right way to do it. I did it the opposite way, which is kind of left my career and then said, oh, now I need to do something to earn a living. And so you you did the sensible option, which is building momentum and I guess sort of transitioning, whereas I was kind of a cold finish and then a, a cold start, if you will. So yeah, I made it uh, difficult for myself. But uh, the reason was, it was kind of easy and it was just to do with, I think, intuition really. I was working in the finance industry and I was helping to fund growing businesses, normally technology businesses. So there was a little bit of me that I was always speaking to CEOs or CFOs or whatever of businesses. And, and there was a little bit inside me that sort of wanted to go and try it for myself and, and see what I could do. Um, so that was part of it. And so there would be more of an overlap than you might think. Part of it was personal. Um, my mum lives not too far away from where I am now. So I moved from, from, I'd lived in Scotland before and then did a few years in London. And so I moved up to the northwest of England. So my mum's nearby and one of my sisters is here and I've got a couple of nieces. So I just didn't want to be sort of missing out on, on that really. And I wanted to be in the countryside. Um, the other thing is that although it might seem like a huge jump from finance to the outdoors, I'd always done sort of the outdoors and adventure stuff in my holidays and weekends anyway. And I was always sort of organizing these kind of trips for myself and friends. So I guess when I got to the point where I was like, okay, what am I going to do? That was probably a lot more natural than it might appear on paper. It's interesting you focus specifically on the solo aspect, because I think that's, you know, it's an area where, you know, there's lots of group tours where you can join a group often those groups have, you know, couples and friends. And, you know, sometimes, you know, if you're an individual traveler joining a group, it's actually really tough because everyone kind of has their clique and you're, you know, sometimes you, you find, you know, other solo travelers or, you know, sometimes you integrate with, you know, a couple or, you know, a group of friends, but you're focusing just on solos. And so I'm really interested. What led you to that, to that decision? It's a really interesting question. And, and, and sometimes I ask myself the same thing, because again, I didn't make things easy for myself because we've spoken before about, you know, you, you might get a tour operator where a group of comp, uh, a group of people go along and they want to book an event. And so sort of uh, that makes it easy for you, if you will. Sometimes I feel I've taken on the hard task, which is pulling in the group together, which is taking, you know, whether it's six, eight, 10, 20 people and pulling those people together to put an event on. So sometimes I feel I've taken too much of the hard work on myself, but I just feel I think there's some micro needs almost or individual needs for why I think it's important and why there's a market for it. And then there's these kind of macro factors that are floating around in the background as well. So on kind of a more individual level, I think what really makes an adventure is sometimes more about who you do it with rather than what you do. Um, I think that can really help to make a sort of an adventure or an event memorable. I think sometimes it's difficult to join events by yourselves. You know, we've all been along to, you know, different types of events where there might be a family there, there might be a couple of friends there, there might be a couple there, and they're all very sort of friendly and welcoming, but it is just a very different group dynamic from if everyone attends pretty much by themselves looking to to meet other people. So I guess almost knowing that you're not the only one that's going to be turning up by yourself and, and being that kind of Billy no mate. So I think we take away some of the risk of that happening so yes that's some of the kind of individual levels but then I think 
almost at a higher society level there's these things going on in the background that i think just helps create a need for some of this stuff like um there's a lot of well on an adventure side kind of we all live or, or it's very easy to live a relatively sanitized life so sort of health and safety is a big thing and and all rightly so but it's nice to i think get outside and remind ourselves that risk can be a good thing and balanced risk and doing different things and kind of stretching our comfort zones and things like that so i think that's a part of it i think we can be oh it's very easy to be disconnected from nature you know we're living busy lives you know a lot of people are living you know in cities they're working in offices or or even now at the moment you know post-covid people are working from home so it's just it's very easy not to connect with nature and not to get outside and do these kind of things. A few other things that kind of bounce around in my mind is the number one predictor of happiness is your relationships. And that can be, you know, your friends, your families, if you've got a significant other, all that kind of thing. But it's really easy to ignore these things. Or I think there's almost this kind of it's easier to make new friends as a child. But once you become an adult, it can be quite difficult to do or you've got to make more of a conscious effort. So, again, I think that sort of draws back to the social part of it or the solo part of it and and why it's really, you know, why I think there's a need for it. And, yeah, I guess uh, there's that kind of isolation thing, which ties back to COVID a little bit. Again, people are working from home more. I guess we're just trying to help people create those new lasting friendships. Like literally, as we speak, there's uh, three women are on the way back from uh, the Isle of Mull in Scotland, one of the Scottish islands on the West Coast. And they've, they met at a Yorkshire Three Peaks, one of our Yorkshire Three Peaks events last year. Um, so they've just been up to Scotland and run a marathon together. Um, so they're heading back just now. So yeah, there's all these, I think, sort of the disconnect from nature, the the health and safety and lack of risk and lack of variety in our lives. It's very easy to get into a routine. That connection part as well. So I kind of see there's all these little factors floating around and we're just trying to help plug that gap almost and help connect people and, and get people out and enjoying the outdoors and adventures. You know, there, there's so much there that I think is is really valuable. One thing that I always found is, you know, we spend all our time in an, you know, tip pre-COVID in an office with people. We don't get to choose who we're with. And I remember how many discussions I'd have about people talking about their TVs. I don't know if that's a Canadian thing because in the UK, they, compl- they complain about the, you know, the license fee with television, but they never say, oh, I got... You know, look at, I got a new Sony TV or whatever. And I always thought like, it was hard to find a connection because I, I don't really care about TVs or, you know, great, you got a new car, congratulations. But like, it doesn't really impact me. But when you go to, uh, I'm involved in some outdoors clubs. When you go with other people who are passionate or interested in the outdoors, like we just have these incredible conversations. And um, it, I really felt like there's a sense of community with these people and we're very different. Like I used to uh, hike with a group of ex-postal workers who were all retired in their 60s and 70s. And, you know, these were the coolest group of people. I was, I'm not a postal worker. I know nothing about, you know, that that lifestyle. You know, I'm, I was in my 30s. They were, you know, twice my age. Um, but they had such a zest for life and a passion for adventure. One of the guys had just cycled, you know, at 75 cycled down the uh, West coast of Norway. And he was going off to do a cycle trip up in like remote parts of, of Northern Canada. And it was just nice to meet people who were kind of like, kind of like me. And, uh, I don't think it's weird to like the adventure, but it is kind of weirder than liking it's different from, you know, just conventional discussion about TVs and, you know, the weather and, I think what you're doing is is taking this what we did in in one day, which is really achievable. Like let's go, we'll go for a walk, um, and 
making it kind of even deeper and being able to bring a bunch of people who kind of want to connect with other people um, who want to do something, you know, get out of their comfort zone, but like not be overwhelmed that, hey, am I going to be the only person here who comes on their own? And will I kind of be by myself for, for three or four days? I think it's a really, a really brilliant, uh, brilliant idea. Uh, so my question is like, where does this go? So, you, you know, you're building people. And I know on your website, you you talk about people coming back for more and more. You know, how do you see this developing? Because like, I kind of feel this could become a movement where more and more people use this as a way to build up friends and adventures and, and like lead a more fulfilling life. Yeah. So I, I completely agree that the whole, I think that outdoors just facilitates chatting to people on a, on a much more almost personal basis. Um, and I think that's really nice and refreshing. As you say, it sort of gets you away from, you're, you're literally outside. So you're all in the same circumstance. And even if someone's got maybe a more expensive jacket than you or, or whatever, you're all sort of thrown out, if you will. Obviously, we give you support. You're not literally thrown out, but you're all out there together. And, and it just facilitates more, I guess, almost wholesome discussions and chats and there's always stuff going on and always stuff that you can see you know even if you're just walking along at a leisurely pace then the scenery is changing and things like that and it's very different you know even just the fact I guess of sort of your body language of you'll be walking along side by side for example rather than for example sitting down and having a coffee where you're both sort of facing each other and staring into each other's eyes kind of thing so yeah, I do think the outdoors is a great facilitator of that thing and having almost that common goal or common purpose of, okay, now we've got a canoe to the west of Scotland. Where do I see it going? Yeah, I feel like it's too early to say that, but it's definitely gathering momentum. And I think, well, there's a couple of things. I mean, uh, one of the things I encourage people to do is sign up to the mailing list just because then, you know, I don't need someone to come onto the website and book on an adventure. We just want to start getting that dialogue going. So the the mailing list is a really nice way to do that. But the, for the first couple of years, I was trading as Adventure Breaks. That was the company name. And we've made a conscious decision to change that to Adventure Solos just at the beginning of this year for exactly the reason that I do think almost this solo market is underrepresented. There are a few companies out there that do it as almost an aside, but uh, I'm not really aware of many companies that are sort of pushing it as a like come on guys this is what we do we can get you out there together um and enjoying adventures and having new experiences so yeah where will it go I'm, I'm not sure i'm still excited to find that out um but i i do feel like i say with all those macro factors I kind of talked about before that there's a demand for it and it's just about getting a message out there and letting people know that we exist and uh that they're very welcome to come along and and give it a shot and you mentioned something at the start of your reply just about kind of the the dynamics. So I have a lot of social anxiety. I know for my job, I have to do, I've always had to do lots of like mingling at uh, events where you walk into a room and, you know, I've always found it really daunting. It's actually, you know, one of my biggest source of stress is like going to a, a drinks reception where you've got to like talk to people. Um, but for some reason, when I'm out in nature, I don't have any of that stress. And I think it is side by side doing something, you know, you can talk or you cannot talk when you're on, you know, out for a walk or skiing or anything. And if you are talking, it's, you know, you're side by side. You're not kind of staring right at somebody, you know, seated across a table or, you know, in a drinks reception, it's kind of like a confrontational facing somebody. Whereas when you're walking, it's really, it's not that at all. And I just find it so easy, which as someone who does have social anxiety, like it's kind of incredible to me, the difference of 
I'm still meeting people I don't know, still having discussions for them in a different environment. It would terrify me. But like, I love, you know, uh, when I'm leading, you know, local hikes with my, with my hiking club, I love just meeting new people because it's so easy. And because you're out for six or eight hours, you know, you have the kind of the flippant, you know, how are you? What's going on? Those discussions. But often you get into really deep discussions that you don't, you don't get in a drink party where it's loud and, you know, everyone's drinking beer or wine. So what do you think is the dynamic of, you know, this not being an alcohol fueled event? This is, you know, you might go to a pub for a beer, but really it's about people kind of in their natural state. Yeah, so these kind of events, it is about the social side and, you know, people are allowed to come along and have a drink. I think that's a nice thing to do, you know, when we're having dinner or whatever, people might want to have a glass of wine or, or have a drink of beer or whatever. Um, sometimes my mum makes uh, slow gin, so sometimes I take uh, a little bit of that along and we have a sort of a, a sip of uh, slow gin or whatever. So yeah, th- there's definitely sort of the social and drinking is not prohibited, but the the mindset or the dynamic I feel is very different. We're not a kind of 18 to 30s party hard, play loud music kind of events. We're, we're more sort of come along, enjoy the social side, have a chat, um, you know, try new things. But yeah, th- there's there's not so much a party element as a enjoy each other's company, get to know people, have a chat, um, that kind of dynamic going on really instead. It sounds like just the type of dynamic I would want. Now, when I was in my 20s, I'd be like, this sucks. But, you know, in my 40s, uh, I like that that mellow uh, that mellow vibe. Um, last question, you know, which of your trips are you most excited for in the next year? Like, is, is there one where you just, you're super excited you get to go on that one? Yeah, so it's the one that springs to mind is the one called Canoe Scotland. So we head up to a town called Fort William in the Highlands. And we start canoeing near there and it's this five day canoe trip. We're heading northwest, sorry, northeast across the country. Um, and it's just stunning. Like if you've never properly seen Scotland, like if you've only been to Glasgow or Edinburgh, if you've never sort of been up to Scotland at all, um, I think it's just such a fantastic way to see you know a good variety you you go through these locks and canals but you also yeah there's some quite big bodies of water as well um and it's really exciting kind of one of them is Loch Ness and that takes a couple of days at the end we go in the direction of the prevailing wind and so quite often we manage to get the canoe sails up as well so they're real simple easy to use um little sails um there'll be two people to a boat you can be blasting along Loch Ness and and sort of just smiling ear to ear and you know, in Scotland, sometimes you take the chances with the weather, but um, actually it's kind more often than not. I lived there for eight years and I used to just plan a week away in Scotland. And, you know, more often than not, you'd be absolutely fine in the summer. I'd just get away with you know, beautiful weather. Um, Scotland's sort of so sparsely um, populated compared to England or Wales or wherever. Um, and the nature and the scenery and, and just the people and everything is just stunning. So that that's the one that springs to mind, really, the Canoe Scotland adventure. I've never used a, a canoe sale, so I'm super intrigued. So after this, I'm going to go and watch some YouTube tonight on canoe sales because uh, I used to do a lot of whitewater canoeing, but with kids, we haven't really done any, any like we go canoeing on the lake, but they're just like for an hour or two. But I've always wanted to do one of these multi-day trips in, in the Canadian lakes. And it's always just, oh, with three little kids, like how much canoeing can they handle? But I love the idea of a sail, like some days just put the sail up and let let nature uh, move, move you along the lake. 
Yeah, for sure. I think even if you're just playing out there for an hour or two, you know, you can get basically you get two paddles. So you can get one of the kids at the front to hold up a paddle in each hand and the the sort of uh, sail goes between it. But it's just incredible. Like it does make me sort of smile and grin thinking about it because it's just air that's moving you and you wouldn't think you could get such an adrenaline rush. But uh, yeah, it's definitely worth it and your kids would love it. So uh, yeah, you should definitely uh, invest in a, a set of sails. I will definitely. Uh, Chris, it's been great to to hear this story. As I've said before, I think this is really important. There's lots of people that want to live more adventurously and they just don't know how to take that first step. And so I, I think what you're doing with Adventure Solos is, is great. And thank you so much for sharing it on uh, the 10 Adventures podcast. Yeah, thank you, Richard. Uh, it's been a pleasure being here today. And I, I did want to say, I'm still catching up with some of your podcasts, but I have been listening and working my way through them. And there's some great ones in there as uh, sort of, I enjoyed the cycling across Canada one, the, the guys that did it during lockdown. I think his name was Jacob. You had one about sort of training for your next hike, an Aussie guy called Rowan, I think. He was excellent. And I think probably my favorite so far was Ruth Millington and she was speaking about um she'd been caught in an earthquake yeah oh wasn't that incredible we like I literally had chills when she's telling us that story and you know she was a she's a barrister a lawyer just out you know and just how it changed her life that was yeah that that was uh I think that was the only time I've had chills just hearing her story yeah, I was listening to that. I was driving back from Scotland at the weekend there and uh, I was listening to that on the way back. And yeah, she's, you know, the way, she, the way she told that, she was obviously almost reliving it as she told it. And and yeah, just uh, hearing that story was incredible. So yeah, you're doing fantastic work and thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. I think we have our, our own podcast in the works as well, an Adventure Solos podcast. So there's nothing up yet, but it is in the works. So uh, depending when people are listening to this, uh, if I can throw in a cheeky plug for that as well, then uh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Actually, there's one thing uh, when you were talking about moving up, you know, north to be closer to home, we talked with Thomas Turkic, who's, you know, the world walk about a month ago, and he, you know, spent seven years walking across the world and he left on this to kind of find himself. And at the end, what he realized is the most important thing to him was his family. And it was interesting just, you know, when you're talking about, you know, leaving your career to move close to your family, that that just made me think of 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 thomas's situation that like ultimately the people you care about is the most important aspect and you know is what brings meaning meaning to your life and he loved his trip but ultimately he wanted to go home and have dinner with his grandparents and see his friends and go for a beer and you know have dinner with his with his parents and i thought that was a really powerful message because i think a lot of us forget how important the people we we care about are to us and it's easy to get you know distracted by our careers or you know our, our desires and whatnot but you know, you said it and, and Tom said it, you come back to the people that are important to you. And uh, in what you're doing, Adventure Solos is trying to grow that network of people who are important to you. I think that's really valuable work you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Spot on. And thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And it's been a pleasure speaking. And it's been my pleasure as well. And with that, thanks for listening, everybody, to this episode. We'll be back next week to explore the world and hear more about ep epic adventures on the 10 Adventures podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. If you liked it, why not give us a review? Better yet, subscribe and get inspired again and again. Also, if you want to find your own adventures, why not check out 10adventures.com? 
where you can use our free resources to plan your own trip or book a tour in over 60 countries and make your own epic memories on your next adventure.